Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. This the verse, and we're heavy glowing till we burst. I'm the one and only flow until I'm rolling in a hearse. And I'm not just spitting words, yo, I do this thing for work. And I've been dreaming of a way to believe in all the pieces chasing prequels in my mental. Have me doubting up the sequence, yeah, there was always demons, but we never used to feed them. And now we're gonna beat them with our money making freedom. No respecting for the evil, you can send it to the boondock. I learned from Harry Sudock while jamming on some Tupac. Bitcoin is a movement and we're going to the moon, man. Bitcoin is the future and it's coming kinda soon, fam. Pray Satoshi, but this is in a theocracy and I'm offensive to the purpose of government bureaucracy and ain't nobody stopping me when I did some fallacies man 2023's the year of galaxy brains let's go as always I'm your host Alex Thorne head of firmware research at Galaxy Digital thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains we have a great show for you today Harry Sudock chief strategy officer at Grid a Bitcoin mining company is our guest we'll talk with Harry a lot about energy markets electricity generation Bitcoin mining and Bitcoin Park in Nashville where Harry is also a partner and of course we'll check in with our good friend Bimnet a BB from Galaxy Trading as always to talk markets and macro but before we get to all of that, I need to remind you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer in the podcast notes and note that none of the information in this podcast represents investment advice or an offer recommendation or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Dude, we're busting out another one of these old beats. This one's from 2011, okay? So it's a 13-year-old beat, and I'm finally rapping on it. I, I love this one, um, and the rest of this episode is great. You're going to love it, so let's get started. Let's go now to our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading. As always, Bimnet, great to see you. Thanks for having me. What's been happening in markets? I guess the big news since, uh, I guess it happened after we recorded last week, was this ruling in the Ripple case. I think that's Correct. probably the big news still in the in the cryptocurrency markets. What's been the you know, fallout from that that you've seen? Well, the biggest fallout uh, was Ripple. Uh, XRP went up a lot. It it has rallied tremendously up to, you know, around 75 cents right now. Um, And I mean, shorts got hosed, you know, like tons of, you know, like losses, you know, are are, are implied there. This is like primarily like offshore trading, right, at this point, because all the U.S. entities delisted it. Correct. Yeah. Um, In addition to Ripple, obviously, Stellar Lumens also uh had a because it has an x in it xlm no it's the same guy right oh that, i guess but yeah. I mean, that's that's like god when you look at these markets you're like that's Short that's squeeze. funny yes yeah. uh but lumens are like at 14 cents now and looking like they can go higher that's crazy um you know it's a function of just liquidity and like there are forced buyers in a in a market and not that many sellers yeah um and the other thing to think about is you know there has been a ton of interest in the u.s in these in ripple Right, and they have, and U.S.-based investors really haven't had the opportunity to buy it for years now. Right, Coinbase immediately relisted it. Immediately like, relisted it, like a couple it. hours after yeah. that ruling came out. And let's be honest, it's a top ten token. Right, right. If you're benchmarked to performance, or you're trying to get exposure to the crypto space, ah, uh, yeah, right. Like you're almost. Some so folks like, are like, so, so indexes maybe indexes had to buy. People had, yeah. Second absolutely. was relisted, maybe yeah. had to buy. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's been like, you know, uh, I won't take credit for this since I heard it from from somebody else, but that was, you know, one of the main reasons to be bullish. Uh, Ripple, before this decision, was nobody in the U.S. has had an opportunity to so buy it. So just the it. And second, it's a major it, if it were to become available, then bam. Yeah, yeah, bam. 
So was um, it like liquid? Like, and I mean, these it things, is liquid. It's one of the most liquid tokens on so the planet. So a bunch of liquidity the, just like flowed back to the states as yeah, soon as I that mean, happened. Yeah, I mean, Ripple trade on the day. Ripple traded over ten billion dollars. Wow. What was that like last Thursday? Last uh, Thursday. Yeah. 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 Wow. Like that is that's you know lot. that's like Bitcoin on a bad day. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's a crazy. You know, all token. Most I mean, people don't even know what it does. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it does much, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> but but right, you yeah. know, that's not the point. No, uh, but so so and then there was a broad rally that Thursday, absolutely. right? Bitcoin made because yearly highs. ETH was up even more, mm-hmm. right? ETH BTC started all to... the all the other tokens named in various SEC filings and lawsuits as possibly securities. They all rallied. Absolutely. Um, has it, but are we still? Ripple is showing some. Uh, um, strength, like still holding there, but most of the rest of the stuff has come back down, right? For the you most know, part, you know, I would say so, with the exception of a of a couple of things, uh, like Solana has, uh, yeah, I guess pre that announcement, yeah, mo- most of the stuff has come off, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's just indicative of just positioning going into that Ripple event, which is already crowded, yeah. Um, but high level, I do think this is a constructive development for the. You know, broader argument of you know what is a security and right. what isn't, and what can exchanges list and wh- what they can't. Yeah, it's tricky ruling. Like, I always tell and you don't this. know what's going to happen on appeal. There's, there's right. tons of variables. There's yeah, there's going to be case by case defense, but by the SEC, exactly. Lots and lots of like ways to to but think I, about I, it. I think clearly the SEC was a loser in the decision, and Ripple. The exchanges, even just the cryptocurrency complex, was I would say at least a decent winner. I mean, I think Ripple a pretty Absolutely. big winner. I mean, but, I, right. I, I think, but there's still know, a lot of nuance there. Still a lot of nuance. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think the way you're going to keep score of, you know, who's winning and not one Ripple price, to, uh, uh, you know. Like things like you know Brian Armstrong getting invited to speak to a bunch uh, of Democrats, a bunch of Democratic yep. congressmen. Yeah, right. Um, it's going to be you know whether or not you know an ETF gets approved, how quickly, et cetera, and how the the narrative changes around you know the SEC's approach to to crypto, et cetera. It's the the soft points. Yeah. Um, you know, seem like they're going to be pretty huge yeah. right now, um, and we live in a in a very political and sort of, you know, image-oriented world. And, you know, as you get closer to the election, right, like if it becomes more apparent that the better story, better narrative is not the one the SEC is pursuing, but something else, something else yeah. you know, I think that will bring, you know, better outcome, better legislation, um, and it'll be good for, for crypto. That is interesting. And when I think about the election to today, there was just news. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had a pretty interesting mm-hmm. plan he announced. Oh, Bitcoin back dollar? It's not just Bitcoin, but mm. it's, it's it's gold, silver, platinum. Oh, it hard was, asset. Yeah, he, mm. has a, he has a plan, uh, should he become elected, um, to basically for the starting with new treasury issuance to back those issuances with hard assets some of them or a percent i think starting at a smaller percentage and then growing um as part of a i don't know a, a sound money plan that was kind of interesting um there's going to be a lot of poly- i think he clearly thinks that there is voters there um and there are we know there's what at least 20 million you know owners of bitcoin in the US that's what the white house said 
Um, I yeah, think that's more, not the but, angle I would pursue if I was him well, personally. I, I don't know if I would or wouldn't. No, I also it's just like yeah. there's reasons why we're not on the gold standard. The arguments are pretty clear yeah. as to why you wouldn't. You know, same things with silver, platinum, other things Bitcoin. of that nature, Bitcoin. Uh, well, I'm not going to throw out the Bitcoin one right yeah. just now. And, but yeah. uh, it, you know, I think what you're supposed to push for is just you know, democratization of this asset. Of, as, of Getting, access. Yeah, of access. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have to pay ridiculous bid offer every time that I want to PA buy like $200 right. worth of Bitcoin. I mean, to I be able right to do now, it out of my retirement account, mostly, my tax advantaged accounts, wherever it may be. In most, most like retail platforms that I've used, if I buy $100 of Bitcoin, I'm getting like $97 worth of it. It's like just it's egregious. A, it's 3% fee, it's insane. That's like- That's pretty common. Like that, that fee is pretty common. Yeah, and like all we're asking for is just- you know, a product offering that's consistent with the technology and with the efficiency of scale that's available yeah. for every other product. And this is kind of what Larry Fink said on Fox yeah. Business. When, and he's he's dead right. Yeah. Like he the said that people, like if there are 20 million crypto holders in the U.S., like the government by like not allowing them, it's, it's just charging them money unfairly. Like yeah. you're forcing people into a, an awful product like the Bito futures that have like poor tracking error. With the you're approving and, yeah. double levered ETFs so that retail can get hosed. Yeah. Like trading this stuff. Like it's just so antithetical to the ethos of what the SEC is supposed to be. Yeah. And I think this is what BlackRock must be seeing. That feels like the narrative is shifting on that. I ETF mean, a lot. yeah, it's it's you, you even look and like they were saying things like, you know, oh, all the prior filings had a um, surveillance sharing agreement that looked at the futures markets. And they were like, oh, no, 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 it needs to look at the spot market. And it's like, but the Spider Gold ETF, like, or Gold Trust or whatever, the GLD, it surveils super, it, it is a commodity-backed spot ETF that surveils the futures market. So, like, there's plenty of precedent. And you know why? Because there is no centralized spot market for Bitcoin. There is no centralized spot market for gold. You can, like, yeah. Bitcoin's totally global. What are you going to, you can't monitor the spot market. It's not yeah. a NYSE. It's not like a, a, an equity that trades in one stock exchange. Right. So that's why you, so even that like starts to seem wild. Like they're like, like they should, like the, the commodity following doing surveillance sharing agreement, monitoring the futures market is sufficient for other assets, other commodities. Why not Bitcoin? Right. Anyway, they've all gone around this by naming Coinbase as their spot yeah. market. But I just I agree. It feels like there's a dam has to break on that. Let's 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 go back, though. Let's let's talk about some of the other macro stuff that's happening. Any, anything interesting? Yeah. Since we last talked. I mean, not a big data week. Right. Well, so last night, not in the U.S. At yes. Least. Uh, the U.S. data has been, you know, besides folks had the inflation reading, you know, last week. And that's kind of the, the big one. Yeah. Uh, but we have we had U.K. inflation come out last night. Uh, came in slightly softer than expected. Um, you came in at six point nine versus yeah, like seven. There's just been worse than it's been ours bad. In general, but, right? but generally, it kind of what it seems like is that headline inflation has peaked and stuff is like slowly trending lower. Um, but there remain upside risks. Yeah. Right. And those upside risks, you know, some of them are structural, like in the U.S. with people locked into mortgages, and so you know, housing supply right. staying tight. Um, and some of the other constraints are. A, a little different technical like financial conditions like all all, all this other stuff um but brought like the, the one thing I, I definitely need to mention though is oil oil has picked up a lot um, really? recently so we've gone from you know at the depths like 65 a barrel to like almost 76 77 in in wti crude and wow. Brent's a, a bit higher 
but a big reason why headline inflation came down everywhere is because oil prices came down everywhere. Oh, I see. Right? And so if you're going to start to see oil prices tick up, you know, there's a risk that inflation, like, re-accelerates a little bit, um, at least the stuff that's sensitive to, to energy prices. Yeah. Um, so that's one risk that's constantly on my mind. I'm looking at that the, those, those crude charts pretty closely, but... Um, outside of that, it does seem like you're having a, a little bit of synchronized global like inflation cool down. Um, knock on wood, because I know that's what central bankers would want to do yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, but realistically, it's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And if I'm the Fed, I am going to stay as hawkish as possible. I see the Nasdaq up 40%. I see home prices still ticking high. I, I, I see. Was that 40% year to date, the Nasdaq? That's unbelievable. That's, I didn't. I know that we've been having. I mean, one of the best yeah, years it in equities. Make your jaw drop. I, it is. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely wild. That can't be something the Fed wants to see theoretically. Absolutely right? not. That's like people don't feel. Poor. Who's gonna feel poor when the when their entire retirement account is up? It's mooning. Forty percent year to date. My God. Year to date. Oh my God. I didn't realize it was so big. The other ones that have. Um, uh, and then tech, big tech stocks have been doing great. I mean, like, the big seven. Everything's they're doing. They're unstoppable. Bizarre I mean, we're world, at man. new all-time highs in a bunch of the, the big tech names. <laughs> crazy. All-time highs. That's crazy. Not like, you know, local trend Not, you know, like not year-to-date. Yeah. Wow. Right. Ever. And so it's – and then people – home prices haven't come off, right? So where is people wealth? Equity market, housing market. Yep. And that's you know most, what? People are going to feel poor when this stuff is rallying? So if, the, if their biggest assets are valuable, then they go out and spend their cash. Then that's that, – uh, that's uh, uh, Yeah, that's, that's part of fear, it. But right? – you know, again, a lot of people don't have as much wealth. And so totally. you know, what you're focused on is, you know, everyone. And we there are some things like, you know, student loan repayments that are going to happen starting That's in, in October. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it, it, it's going to be a, a tale of two cities um, of sorts. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, if you want to tackle inflation, like, you can't have asset markets ripping. It's not good. I, at least I, I, it's not supportive. Yeah. And I think what the Fed is thinking is like, well, monetary policy works with a lag. We're slowly draining liquidity from the market via QT. There's also more more deficit spending happening, et cetera. So, you know, I think they're probably taking the more measured approach, which is, you know, in six months from now, we'll have drained yeah. six hundred billion dollars of liquidity. Where are stocks going to be then? And where's yeah. the housing market going to be then? And we'll reevaluate over that period. Right. We'll watch it closely. But in the meantime, People are FOMOing into stocks. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, meme names are popping off. Really? For real? Yeah. There was one that was oh up God. 40% today. Oh, my. No. And the guys were like, why <laughs> is it up even? <laughs> yeah. What's uh, up at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Literally. Exa like, exactly. Goodness gracious. Uh, so, you know, it's not like, you know, what as bad weird. as it was in Doge to Dollar era. Right, or, right, right. You know, when... That was the good dog money time. Good dog money. Dog money. I mean, did you see Elon pump Doge today by four percent with a dog photo? He posted his dog. Was it his dog? Or just I any forgot dog? what it was. But I saw that. I thought Doge up four percent on Elon tweet. I'm like, <laughs> not again. You're like this world. Oh man. Uh, but he didn't even talk about Doge. He's just, he just it a was picture a of a dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's the world we're oh in. Oh my now. god! What a funny, what a weird market and an uh, interesting market to follow. No, it's 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 super fun. Um, all right, well, Bimnet, our friend Bimnet Abib from Galaxy Trading, as always, thank you so much. Awesome. Have a good one. Let's go now to our guest, Harry Sudok, uh, Chief Strategy Officer and first employee at Grid, a Bitcoin mining company. Harry, great to have you on. 
Alex, it's always good to see you, my brother. I know. I'm so happy to have you. We've been friends for a while now. I think we first met on Clubhouse, and I say this a lot. Uh, I think we did. We met once before that. Okay. Which was at the Fidelity Mining uh, Summit. Yes. Yes. Gosh. And it was, was like, chaos. Was that like 2018 or 19? 19. 19. Um, well, man, that seems like a long, that was five years ago. It, it, oh my God. It was actually a long time ago. Wow. <laughs> um, well, I'm super happy to have Harry here. Now, Harry's also a partner at Bitcoin Park. Yes, sir. Which is, we're going to get into that. Um, one of my favorite places um, was just there last week in Nashville. Um, and we'll talk about what that is too. But so we're going to get into Bitcoin Park. But let's start it off. Tell us what Grid does um, and what you do. Uh, sure. Um, so Grid is a vertically integrated industrial scale Bitcoin mining company. We've got four sites, three in Tennessee, one in New York. Um, we're in the midst of a SPAC transaction. So I am in our quiet period. So I've got to be pubco diligent in my yep. comments. Um, but, you know, basically we're, you know, we do self mining. We're kind of a, a execution first heads down type of operation. We we got into mining in uh, company founded the company in 2018 um, when believe it or not Bitcoin mining was unbelievably not sexy. Mm -hmm. um, it's gotten significantly sexier yeah. since then. Um, but we've always kind of just had the perspective that there, there's only a few great businesses in our industry. Yeah. Um, and so we picked a vertical and went super deep. You know, the, the worst, our, our CEO, Trey Kelly, says this all the time, but he said, the worst thing you can be is an entrepreneur looking for an idea. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we spent a long time just thinking about what, what made sense, you know, in, in a world of insane business ideas, what was a sane one. And, and he'd spent time in the cybersecurity space uh, at OpenDNS, which was then acquired by Cisco. Yep. I'd spent time at a fintech that was then acquired by the CME. So we'd both been down this, um, I don't know, like, I don't want to say VC hamster wheel, but VC hamster wheel <laughs> of, of, you know, raise money, build product, hope it doesn't run out, raise more money, hope it doesn't run out, yep. find someone to buy you. Right. Um, and so rather than kind of go that way again, which look, there's a lot of incredible companies that came out of that process. So you know, it's not a, it's not a knock, but you know, we wanted to kind of return to like the fundamental laws of business physics, of generate revenue, have less costs than your revenue, net profit at the end. Um, oh, and, you can do that? Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Um, and so what's what's awesome is that we get to do that style of business, but generating Bitcoin denominated revenues and therefore Bitcoin denominated cash flows which is um, an opportunity to kind of have a sane business model, but with this huge tailwind of an emerging asset and an emerging you know, ecosystem around this, this new thing. And so you get these huge outsized returns, but you're able to do so on the back of a fundamentally sound business. Fascinating. And we were talking about this before we started recording, and you mentioned it, you sort of alluded to it, but like the business models in Bitcoin um, have historically, what did you say before? The three sort of business models that, that have been viable at scale. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot that's sort of still in the earliest stage that may reveal tons of new stuff that, right. we, that we haven't seen yet. So, so caveat with that, but you know, really there's exchange businesses that have thrived at scale. They're mining businesses, which thrive at scale. And then I think there's this third category that's emerging, which is, you know, something fintech adjacent, um, but folks like Unchained, folks like Strike, folks like what I think um, Fetty could be, mm -hmm. you know, we, we see these, or at least I see these, um, as a third category that's emerging at scale. 
and it's going to be um, this financial services layer that is not trading currency A for currency B. It's really sort of the service layer or the payment rail, um, and then that can kind of flow into what Fedi's doing, which is really more of this um, almost like a you know you get sort of the attributes of Bitcoin and the privacy of eCash, um, but within a, a software layer. Yeah, it's like bespoke like bespoke custody forms and like a, a team building or, or um, like team management you could do. You can imagine like, frankly, you could imagine like a DAO that's built on something with, like what Fetty's building, right? Like a mul well, it's essentially like complicated, sorry, not complicated, complex multi-sig arrangements that allow you to issue private monies or, or pay people. Exactly. Or, yeah. We see this also with like the folks, you know, Rob Hamilton and Becca at Anchor Watch. Yeah. Like they're building something that I think could be a huge business, which is like the insure tech built on top of Bitcoin native wallet software. So right. th these like these financial service kind of third road non-exchange non-mining businesses, I think there's a couple of them that are that are hitting scale and there are a couple of them that are kind of pre-scale, but there's this third leg that that's emerged um more recently which is really cool to see. Yeah, so uh, on Bitcoin mining, I was reading uh earlier maybe yesterday. Uh today's what? Wednesday, July 18th. Mm -hmm. Um I was reading yesterday that there's this new um, academic paper out of MIT with some very famous, apparently, uh, I'm not in, uh, famous climate scientists. And <clears throat> in this paper, they um, are quite constructive on Bitcoin mining. I think it's very fair to say that in the abstract alone, which is all I've read so far. Um, <laughs> Head they research. said that this, well, you know, it just came out yesterday. I'm going to get there. <laughs> by the time you hear this, I'll have read the entire thing. And actually, I'm planning on writing about it in our newsletter this week. So by the time this podcast is live, you should be able to read my much more comprehensive thoughts on this. But in the abstract, what they say is that the paper does validate some concerns that environmentalists have, but it also validates uh, that Bitcoin mining can be extremely positive for the environment. Like when we used to talk a lot, you, you were sort of, I think, one of the most coherent and cogent voices on explaining how energy grids work, electrical grids work, what, what value Bitcoin can add to them. What are your thoughts? I mean, are you you're not so can't be surprised that some some smart people have finally figured this out. Yeah, I, I think that you know the the misconception around you know Bitcoin mining and energy and electricity and you know what does all this mean? It, you know, comes down to just like we don't have a super sophisticated population that knows how their light switch works, <laughs> and, and that's that's a problem. So you know, in in any sort of theoretical electric system, there there's three role players. Um, there's the generation, which is a turbine that spins, right? Whether whether you burn gas or coal or oil to do that, or you you know use the steam that comes off the heating from a nuclear environment with zero emission, like doesn't matter, right? It's a big magnet that spins. Um, then there's transmission. So the way that you move energy is is different. You have to jump it up to this incredibly high voltage to be able to move it over a long distance. That distance decays after about 500 miles. And so you need to be, you know, reasonably in proximity, but not next to. Um, and then the third layer or the third role player is um, delivery. So then you've got to drop it down from that extremely high, you know, high speed rail voltage to, you know, maybe a small vehicle voltage mm -hmm. where you get it into your house and then consume it. Um, and I just think people don't really understand the, the engineering constraints that are associated with that system and the need for a dynamic consumer like a bitcoin miner who is able to ramp up and ramp down and so you know when when you think about what are the fundamental innovations that bitcoin and its adjacent sort of emergent properties bring to markets 
you know, everybody, everybody, I think, is on the same page that proof of work plus the difficulty adjustment is the core innovation of Bitcoin that allows it to be a truly foundationally scarce internet money uh, or digital money. Uh, that, you know, that's why we have a hard cap. That's why the system functions is those two attributes getting getting combined. Um, but when you look at that proof of work piece, the way that a Bitcoin miner generates revenue is they've got a ton of servers that basically guess the next block. They spit out the guess and then the pool and the network validates if that block is is acceptable or not. Um, those are happening at the you know sub-second frequency. Yeah. So unlike, let's just use an aluminum smelter as an alternative, because if you, you know, there's a great quote um, that I can't attribute accurately, but it's that, you know, Iceland's greatest export is electricity. They just do it with aluminum. Yeah. Um, and so the, this idea of taking electricity, using a mechanical process to turn it into a commodity good and then exporting that commodity good, that's a well-worn path. Yeah. Bitcoin miners just do it way better because if I go melt a bunch of aluminum and I'm smelting and the pot line is full of, of a chemical process, I can't turn off the electricity because that's going to harden and now I got to build a new pot line. Yeah. A Bitcoin miner is fundamentally different because it's all digital and so I can stop the mining process at any time with no impact to the business, no impact to the hardware or minimal impact to the hardware. And I'm able to give that electricity back. And so the role that a Bitcoin manufacturer, which is really what a miner is, we're manufacturing Bitcoin all day, you know, we're able to stop our manufacturing process on an instant and meet the needs of the electricity environment that we're in, which you know, we don't do altruistically. And that's what's so great is that now there's a market incentive and an, an emerging market of incentives in order to create this dynamic flexibility. So we can enter into a contract as a Bitcoin miner that has a bunch of curtailment requirements within it that unlocks the bottom of the barrel lower price that we're all looking for. And we're able to actually deliver on those contractual obligations within the electric system. And so, you know, there's, there's a few categories of why that matters. Um, one of them is that, you know, there's a big lag in between building the supply of electricity and mapping it to the demand. The demand can move pretty dynamically. Building more supply is very, very slow. And so there's a bunch of pockets all over the US. Marty Bent has a great thread about this, um, where there's a bunch of places that used to have a lot of manufacturing and therefore have a lot of, of you know, grid infrastructure that just isn't utilized anymore because those manufacturing businesses either went somewhere else or, or, uh, or failed. And so being able to bring a net new consumer that's not a net new burden into those systems generates a ton of revenue for places that would never have those revenue, you know, those, those revenues available to them. Oh, and by the way, a public utility has a bunch of households in it mm -hmm. that prices go up if you don't have customers who are like a Bitcoin miner. So, you know, there, there's a great, we had a great interaction with one of the um, CEOs of a, a utility that we have a mine at. And he, it was right when inflation was peaking. Um, and he said, you know, I basically have a couple of options. Option one is I can raise prices on everyone. Option two is I can degrade service. I can fix things more slowly or with lower quality. I can issue debt and basically burden the entire community. 
or I can find a customer like a Bitcoin miner. Yeah, who will buy, who will pay me for a bunch of extra electricity. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the only those are the only tools in the in the public utility playbook. And so when you think about the role that a Bitcoin miner has to play, category four is really attractive for a lot of these folks. Yeah, and and you can't. We're talking about the con like the the idea that Bitcoin is a battery that has been promoted by a lot of people, and I think what they intend to mean is kind of like what you were saying about. They intend to say we're turning electricity into something portable and where value can be stored. And in Correct. that sense, it's battery-like. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about briefly how um, – although – and I think both of us don't really like that construction because it's confusing also. It makes people think it's something it's not. Correct. But um, electricity has to be generated continuously. There is not uh, a battery that can like store the excess for when New York City needs it, right? Like nope. They have to make it right now like the – the lights that are on us right now, I don't know how fast electricity literally moves through those giant transmission lines, but pretty fast. Pretty fast. This was probably generated within the last five minutes, right? Like relatively, yeah. Or like a, exactly. or 30 minutes. I mean, it, at, at most. As long as it takes for electrical current to move across wires, basically. Speed, so, of, speed of light. Yeah, basically. So this is like happening right now. And so um, that, that reality causes every grid has to overproduce. At all times. In the U.S., we overproduce right. by about 14%. At all times? Like on average? Uh, over the year. Yeah, yeah. Like so annual overproduction. Annual overproduction is about 14%. That's actually better than I expected, to be honest. The U.S. is really, really, really big. Yeah. 14% is a ton of electricity. It's many, yeah, yeah. many Bitcoin networks over. <laughs> yeah. So, and you have to because if you produce exactly, like you said, the demand can change a lot. Literally, the simplest examples are bad weather, right? Really hot weather, everyone in New York turns on their air conditioner. All of a sudden, the demand on the grid is significantly higher than it was just the day before when it was 70 degrees. Now it's 95 degrees, tons more electricity. Tons more. So they have to be prepared for that. They have to be already producing it on the cool day. Exactly. So when the hot day happens, how does the Bitcoin miner help in that scenario? Yeah. So, I mean, that's to me, that is the absolute clearest natural experiment that we have. The whole electric system is designed around this concept of peaks. So you have to you have to you know design your production capabilities for that peak demand level. The reality is is that we're not at peak demand the vast majority of the year. Right. And so some some of the ways that you can try to design around that are, you know, if you've ever heard of this concept of a peaker plant yeah. or a combined cycle gas plant, that plant spins up when we see the peak coming. And thankfully, you know, we live in a world with financialized derivatives for, for energy and electricity and commodities. And so you get signals early when that's happening. Um, but the much more efficient and, and, you know, lower emission profile is, you know, we, we should just have a ton of nuclear out there with Bitcoin miners oscillating up and down. Yeah. That's a far, far less harmful environment to be in. Right. Uh, you know, w wind and solar are um, a little bit of, of a confusing option because, you know, everybody can look outside and see that it's cloudy and knows that the solar panels are not generating right. as they would when it's sunny. It's sort of like a nice to have because, like, sure, if it's sunny a lot, uh, you can supplement your grid. Totally. Um, but you really can't – if you're designing for peaks, you really can't rely on it. And there aren't sufficient batteries – Right, so at a, in an individual batteries home, are a shitcoin. I thought of, <laughs> I thought about getting um, like solar on my house. Mm -hmm. Right, I think at a small level it can make a lot of sense because there actually are batteries big enough to store some like of a house's amount of electricity. Well, let's go back you know, to it's our, like a Tesla battery, like a car battery exactly. can. Exactly, but there isn't 
at like grid size batteries. And think and just think but about like batteries. Also, you have to like mine for what is um, uh, uh, cobalt, cobalt, and other all these rare earths. Really like bad. strip mine the earth to make them. So yeah. But the, but let's go back. You know, the other piece of all of this is let's go back to the example of the three players. If let's say you replace the generation with um, a solar farm or a wind farm, now you have to interconnect that. How do you move the electricity from the new build into the system? That's really easy when you swap a coal plant for a nuke. Infrastructure is already there, it's just a cutover. But if I go build a new wind turbine or a new solar farm at that scale, mm -hmm. I need to now build new integration. There's a lot of engineering that has to go into that. There's all, you know, if you if you look at the emission profile of an interconnection, it's very, very burdensome. So having to build and rebuild and add all of these transmission capabilities has this sort of hidden cost within the system design that that is poorly accounted for today as well. You know, so th there's a lot of trade-offs in the system that that only kind of emerge once you get into the weeds of it. The paper that you're referencing does a really good job right. of covering some of this. But I think that, you know, the important distinction is also just that, you know, there's Yes, Bitcoin is a large purchaser of electricity. Right. The externalities of that electricity are not unique to Bitcoin. If we if we believe that we need to overhaul pieces of our electric system, let's overhaul them. Yeah, we should. That that's great, and we can do so around cost, around reliability, and around environmental impact. That's not a Bitcoin story. That's an electric system story. Bitcoin miners are customers, like everybody else, except they're special except you can design these incredibly low impact contracts around a customer like this or you couldn't with an auto plant or you couldn't with a hospital or you know some of these other you know types of off takers. Right. The hospital can't just turn off. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's too hot. We need the electricity back. Shut off the man's breathing machine. Yeah, grandma's <laughs> going in for dialysis. We can't today. We don't have enough electrons. Right. Right. That's not a thing. But Bitcoin machines, an entire giant site can just turn off Spin at a down. moment's notice, right? Moment's like, notice. I mean, and, sub five minutes. And now there was um, on this story too, with the curtailment uh, becoming so popular, especially in markets like Texas. Um, they there's software, right? Uh, was it the is it Foreman software? The, the Foreman the, guys these are doing guys make it. one. I think I think others are making others, them too. A lot, you know. There's a lot of a them. lot of folks have built them internally. Custom software, so like they can watch and they watch derivatives markets or they see the the data feeds from from the grid itself, like from ERCOT, and they can like have it automated to turn on and off. Exactly. So, it's so much more efficient, such an efficient use of energy Correct. of electricity. Correct. Yeah. This is and and this is what's so poorly understood. So there, you know, there's just there is truly a differentiated buyer in the form of Bitcoin miners that are going to make our electric system more reliable, lower cost for individuals, and the incentives for net new generation and stable generation. Yeah. Huge incentive Game now changer. to be building those. It's it's it I'm I am in, you know, we say internally a lot. Grid is building the business at the intersection of energy and money. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's the whole playbook. It's fascinating, dude. Um, I, and the Bitcoin mining industry has gotten so big in the U.S. in particular. Um, is that just why is that? Is that because of our because of our electricity generation and the and some things like you know ERCOT's interesting ener uh, power markets? Is it because capital formation our capital markets? Is it because of our property rights? Like what yes. would you say? You, yeah. hit, you hit the three. So th <laughs> those are the three. The, you know, the reason I think the Bitcoin mining industry is thriving here is number one, capital formation, heavy capital intensive business. You got to spend a lot of money up front yep. in order to be able to spin up these, you know, these kind of mega mega farms and mega sites. Number two, 
Property rights are incredibly clear. We've got the balkanization across states. Some states are incredibly accommodating and proactive. Some states are not as accommodating and proactive. And so you've got this really healthy um, balkanization to attract businesses to the places where they're wanted. Um, and then and then number three is that we have an incredible natural resource profile yeah. in the US. And we take it for granted, but we've got, you know, we've got it on the defense side, which is we've got two huge oceans. Yep. We like those oceans. <laughs> we've got two great neighbors right. in Canada and Mexico. And we have an incredibly fertile country yep. that's able to generate electricity at massive scale. Yeah. it's just it's a match made in heaven. Um, and I was happy to see uh, that digital ass asset mining tax, uh, the dame, I forget what it actually stood for, yeah. but was struck from the uh, negotiations over the um, over the debt ceiling increase. It also didn't actually make it into the budget proposal, uh, the budget. Um, so, because that would just be like a top down. It would ruin the federalism that has created such a vibrant, you know, pool of jurisdictions across well, this and, country. And, and think about the precedent that it would set. Right? right. We're gonna we're gonna we're sitting in a podcast studio. We don't like video producers. Yeah. We're gonna tax all video producer profits. Oh well, God, Phineas. You know, <laughs> gonna eat like, to your bottom line, dog. <laughs> like, the, like the, in no in no other environment would you target one group right. of of producers or customer bases. It politicize politicizing electricity is really it's a wrong. scary thought. It's wrong. It's wrong. It, it is wrong. You know, I'm not going to say electricity is a human right, but it's damn well sure a uh, it's a requirement to live in a civilized society. There's a great graph, um, which I'm sure you've seen and, and should post, you know, in some of your analysis down the yeah. road, which is that there's along one axis, um, I believe there is GDP per capita. Yes. And along the other axis, I've seen this. there is um, electricity consumption per generation. Exactly. One of them. Yeah. It's electric generation per capita. Literally, yes. And, and the history of civilization is a history of increasing electrical generation or energy generation. Um, and, and we were mentioning nuclear. I mean, there was a, another great chart I saw was like the, I think they call it like the energy density. Mm -hmm. And so it's like wood is like the worst one. Mm -hmm. It's also the dirtiest. Um, also, <laughs> because of their reliance on uh, Russian natural gas and then attempts to get off of it, like I saw like, a, or, uh, like probably like six months or so ago, the UK was was reduced to generating like 15 or 20 percent of all their electricity by burning wood, which, by the way, was being cut down in North Carolina and shipped there. And so it's like these guys are notoriously low emission oil tankers. We had literally terrible <laughs> environmental profile, all because they basically reject in a lot of Europe nuclear energy um, and, and also have reliance on, on, you know, say, like countries they eventually turn into enemies with. Um, but uh, th this chart was like it's, it's like wood. And it's like I forget the actual but let's call it like 10. Like there's a number. There's a there's a methodology for actually determining this energy density profile. And then it's like, you know, and then and like gas is better, like or oil is like a little better than gas is better than that. And then it's like if you put nuclear on the chart, you can't see you have to use log. You can't see the others at all. Like if wood's like 10 and like gas is 100, nuclear is like 32,000. Yeah. The density of uranium is in, in terms of the, the mass to electrical output is so dramatic. Um, and of course, to your point, you don't burn the uranium. Right? You it just, just sits there. It just sits there hot, basically, and, it you, just and, heats the you, water. and it keeps the steam, and so there's no emissions at all. I mean, I just can't believe it. I guess it's like, I can't believe, this is one thing, we'll talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for a minute, because he's a <laughs> famous anti-nuclear activist. It's one of, my, the, one of the main policies of his that I don't like. Yes. Um, I, I don't know where it came from. Was it, were they afraid of the near meltdown at Three Mile Island? It's weird because the environmental lobby specifically for Greenpeace. the last 50 years has been very anti-nuclear. 
It's I, not just people that, and I think they 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 preyed on. Um, maybe you can tell me why that is, but also they preyed on the fears I think of people have of nuclear weapons, and and meltdowns, which are incredibly rare. I so I will tell you this is a this is a, a story direct from my mother, okay, who is becoming one of the most based Bitcoiners I've ever met, <laughs> in a, in a strange later in life turn of events, yeah, because um, she grew up a hippie, uh, but. I had to nuke pill her along the way. And she said, "We, you don't understand, Harry. We grew up with duck and cover yeah. under our desks yeah. because of nuclear bombs. You, you just don't get it. You just don't like the word nuclear. Literally. literally terrible. If, if, you, if you just called it isotope power <laughs> instead of nuclear power, yeah. it, we'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. But So there's a huge marketing problem and a huge brand problem for nuclear that I think is changing yeah. pretty actively. Then the second piece is if you've ever if you've ever read um, Nick Zabo's essay called Pascal's Scam. I actually haven't read that one. Okay, I'll, so I'll are you out. aware of Pascal's Wager? Yes. Right, and for for your audience, it's basically the idea of you know the the reason to be religious is that even if there's a one percent chance heaven and hell exists, right, it's still worth it. Should hedge. Just hedge hedge it out and 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 you know be you know of the of the faith that gets you into heaven. <laughs> So that's Pascal's wager. Yeah. Pascal's scam is Nick Zabo's building on that story. And his point is basically you can create a culture of fear around almost any issue so long as you make the catastrophic negative as big as you can. Yeah. So asteroids hitting the earth, great example. Yeah. How much of our budget should we attribute? to fighting asteroids in space. I see like a Pascal's wagers amount. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, great. So, you know, if you now attribute that to everything yeah. that has a catastrophic risk profile and take no account of the benefit side. I see. So any slight risk at all, if it's big enough risk, just don't do it at all. And and so his his point is that that's actually just a huge trap, right? That and that ends up becoming a cage for us. Where if you're constantly attending to these hugely le far left tail risks with asymmetrically terrible outcomes, mm. you actually end up in a terrible society. Yeah. And so I think nuclear has basically been a huge victim of a Pascal's scam, not a Pascal's wager. Mm -hmm. Which is um, which is that the the risk profile was overestimated, the size of the catastrophe was overestimated, yeah. and so we've ended up in this um, wrongly conservative viewpoint around the development of nuclear power. So we've introduced layer after layer after layer bureaucracy, of, 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 crazy. of bureaucratic, you know, detritus basically. Yeah. So when you and then and then it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, which is oh, it's too expensive to develop nuclear, right? Right. It's not actually too expensive to develop the physical infrastructure around it. It's too expensive and too uncertain to try to go through the NRC review process. And so if we're able to cut down on that, standardize, normalize, kind of get it a better right. handle. It's, it's not deregulation. It's right. No, making no, no, no. It, it's, it's making it actually it's a right workable process. It. Yeah. Right. We just need to right size it. Yeah. So, you know, the same way that if, you know, if you had the same level of regulation to lay the earliest fiber for the Internet, we just would never have an Internet. Right. Right. So it, it, it's the same level of human impact. We, if, we don't, if we don't solve this regulation piece for the nuclear industry, we're just going to end up without an, without an electric system that right. functions. And then we're going to end up with, you know, eventually we're going to have to burn some wood and coal. I mean, that's, it's the simplest. It's so, I see it so clearly. There's also countries like France, which get almost all of their electricity from nuclear. So it totally. obviously can be done. Shout out France. Um, 
So, yeah. um, and then you throw in, I loved your point, you throw in then the Bitcoin miners to then balance that load, right? Be that buyer of last resort or curtail curtailment um, uh, party if, if needed, right? You've now got a perfect, totally. perfectly clean, massive electricity generation with a grid that can support it, right? And, and a grid that can, so it's really interesting. Exactly. We're, 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 we, believe it, we believe in tools of human flourishing. Nuclear power is one of those. Bitcoin is one of those, and human ingenuity and startups are the third. Love that. All right, Harry, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about Bitcoin Park. That was a great conversation. I, I think we're going to be replaying this for a while, I think, for, for people to understand how Bitcoin and energy markets uh, combine. But let's talk about the park down in Nashville. Love the park. I do, too. It's, it's like <laughs> I get goosebumps when I think about it. Um, for our audience, tell us what the park is. What is Bitcoin Park? So Bitcoin Park is, is at its most basic level, just a members club. And the goal of the project is to create sort of grassroots education across the Bitcoin ecosystem. So what does that mean? It means we host Nashville BitDevs every month. Um, shout out to Steve Myers, who's the BDK maintainer. Yep. Um, it means that we host an open house meetup. Just join our, our meetup page, bitcoinpark.com forward slash meetup. <laughs> and, and come and check it out, right? Yep. It's free. Come. We'll have hang out. Every vendor who serves food at Bitcoin Park has to onboard to a lightning payment system, you can only spend, um, you, well, you can spend cash with the vendors or, or credit, but- But they have to but offer- They, they have to offer a Bitcoin payment option. Yep. That's a requirement. Um, and then what we also do is uh, some more kind of specialized summits and private events. So we just hosted um, the lightning- uh, Summit? The, the uh, power of lightning. Power of lightning. POL. So about every month or so, you every guys month also have like a, a conference. Theme. Yeah. Right, so we've got BitDevs, open event, closed event yep. every month. And we call it Bitcoin week. It's the second week of each month, mostly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and that and that's the that's the the way to go for, you know, for us. So in September, we've got grassroots Bitcoin where we're going to have all meetup organizers from all over the country. I saw that one. That's fascinating. So you, if you are a Bitcoin meetup organizer, reach out and we'd love to have you at that. Um, and it's really just an opportunity to share best practices for running a meetup in your city. Yeah. Um, uh, so we've got, we actually have a great employee who started the Knoxville Bitcoin meetup. I, I don't know if people realize this or our audience, but there are Bitcoin meetups, regular ones, in almost every city in the country. It's incredible. That some of them, and, and whether they're organized around BitDevs, which is a Socratic seminar, yep. technology-focused, Bitcoin technology-focused, um, which, by the way, is not like a thing. That's like an open source thing. It's not like, oh, like, it's not like BitDevs TM. No. So there's, there in some cases, like in San Francisco and New York, BitDevs is Bit devs have been running for years. That's how I got into Bitcoin. And they're great. Yeah. And Fidelity, when I was there, we used to host, um, the, like, give space up. Our, we had this great auditorium that we would allow and, and help put on Boston Bit devs. Yep. Um, that's just a thing people can do, right? Tot yeah, but there's also Bit even more generic. Format. Yeah. That's the format. It's like sort it's of the not most a standard. But it does require, like, some very technical person, at least one technical person. Yep. To lead to lead it, um, but there are also just generic meetups, and these things are pretty well attended. The Houston ones, Austin is awesome. The Austin ones, awesome. The and I'm I'm gonna leave off of these are ones you've been to, so I'm Can sure there's others. Kansas too. City's awesome. Minnesota um, yep. at the Twin Cities is incredible. Um, shout out to Brandon Quidham who runs that. I've never been able to go to uh, the one in uh, uh, where I live in North Carolina, but I've heard it's quite good. It's as really well. really good because well. I'm always here when they do it on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and I'm usually in New York. Yep. Um, but so anyway, I just wanted to interject with that. That's a real thing. You can literally go to meetup.com and search Bitcoin like and see like hundreds of, of recurring 
uh, meetup. So that's something anyone that's on their Bitcoin journey, if you have questions, like, and you don't, you know, you can't all, I mean, obviously there's tons of media resources now and whatnot, like podcasts like this one and but many others. But there's nothing like shaking hands there's with a Bitcoiner. Nothing. And, and becoming friends. I mean, um, it's actually a really big network. And then we're just talking about the states, let alone abroad. But let's let's go back to the park. Um, you kind of told me what you guys do, but but like, what is it? So the and so the park is this incredible unicorn of a property yeah. in Nashville that we are we are beyond fortunate to to be able to make available to Bitcoiners globally. Um, it's two buildings. One of them is a co working space connected, like basically, Bas right? yeah, exactly. There's a small pathway in between them. So one is one is a co working space, um, and then the other is an event space and podcast studio and kind of private offices. Yeah. And so the the goal, you know, and we're we're a little crazy is we looked at what Silicon Valley did for technology, and we said, all right, well, you know, let's read all the stories from the earliest days of Silicon Valley, right? It was the, it was the, the traitorous, traitorous eight who mm -hmm. left, um, mm -hmm. I think they, they left Sun Microsystems or yeah. founded Sun Microsystems, yeah. right? So it's just these small, really small groups of people who just have a, a will to turn a place into a hub. And so we looked at Silicon Valley and we said, all right, well, we're going to build Sovereign Valley. And so we think Nashville is the beginning and, and the greater Tennessee area, you know, and elsewhere, you know, regionally is going to become Sovereign Valley, which is a focus on individual freedom, freedom tech, Bitcoin, and, and just these new types of businesses that are emerging, you know, to be totally prosperous. So, you know, what does it mean at the park? It means, you know, maybe you want to buy beef directly from your rancher. You're gonna do it at the park. Find someone there at the park. We've got people, members there who are who are really tapped into those types of opportunities. You want to use the park as a privacy tool. We've got a member who had I Starlink saw, delivered. I saw this. Um, they, they, you guys were saying that you can have uh, like your Bitcoin technology or whatever Starlink delivered there. It's a PO box. Come pick it up. Yeah. So you don't have to give your home address. That's you can, amazing. You can pay with gift card or pay with Bitcoin. Maybe I'll start doing that. And uh, so I, I'm a proud member of the park. And um, thank you. And I was there last week for that Lightning uh, Summit or the Power of Lightning um, conference. It was great. Uh, I was also there a couple months ago for the mining Bitcoin mining conference, which we'll be did. doing again in January. Very excited. And also, I should mention. Uh, so it is a magnificent property. And by the way, it's operated by great people. Harry being one of them. <laughs> Rod and Odell. I shout mean, out. yeah, Matt Odell, um, Rod. Rod BTC, I don't want to. Rod Bitkite on Twitter. Bit, bit, At Bitkite. Bitkite. Um, and Josh. And, um, oh, so Josh, dude. So it's just best. it's just a phenomenal location. It's actually it it actually stuns the the, the senses and mind when you first get there. Because when I heard originally that like some Bitcoin friends of mine were like buying a house in Nashville, man. Right, I went to college in Nashville. I know the area pretty well. I'm like, I don't know, man. That like is it gonna be like a frat house? I mean, I lived in a frat house in Nashville at one point, and it wasn't nice, right? But. It's magnificent. It is a magnificent space, and you guys are doing so many interesting events there. And and then you start to realize that there's – so we talked about the meetups, generic sort of meetups, but these hubs are now really emerging. So you've got like Pleb Lab and the Bitcoin Commons in Austin. Yep. You've got um, Bitcoin Park in Nashville. You've obviously just got like New York. There's a lot in New York. Yeah. Um, but of course, PubKey is sort of yep. a destination. You've got what Pete McCormack is building in, in Bedford. Bedford, which is really amazing, by the way. If you start to, I'm going next year. I'm gonna go too. Let's 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 uh, coordinate. Let's do it. Okay. Um. And uh, and because I mentioned this, Two Galaxies a proud sponsor of the Real Bedford women's team, which they oh, just sick. started. So, and and then you've got there's there's like a Bitcoin Commons like thing in Port in Lisbon. I was Lisbon's told. You've got like El Salvador. There's stuff. one in Miami. I think Bitcoin Grove. Yeah. 
and you've got you've got El Salvador, the country, right? Like, and it's really starting to like, there's starting to be like a worldwide tour you can do of only going to like, and again, we're not talking about like some dude's house. Like, these are actual places now, which yeah. makes a lot of sense because Bitcoin really is global and it is growing. So I I, I got this thesis from um, the founder of Starbucks originally, which is Starbucks was designed to be your third space. You've got your home. You got your office yeah. and you got Starbucks. <laughs> and so I'm incredibly bullish on this idea that that all over the world there will be Bitcoin focused third spaces. And, and it's not crazy. I don't want to make this direct comparison, but you've got like the Lions Club, the Rotary Club. That's what those were. Exactly. For, for, for older generations, for prior generations, right? It's not it, it's not crazy that like some people with like minded interest, interest would find a space to meet up, right? That's completely normal. That's what's exactly. Been, and I think I, it is true, you know, it, it is, um, you know, you have like, I, I've heard the, a similar joke about New York, right? That like the city is everyone's living room. Cause like most people have like really small <laughs> like apartments. And so like they just go outside, right? So it's like normal to see people. And, and, and New York actually is blessed with great public spaces. Um, and, and so you want public spaces, but you know, you can have private ones too. And there are a lot of them. Um, it's really amazing, dude. Um, I'm super excited Thank about the you. park. Um, and it's given me like a good reason to go to Nashville, by the way, which is I also pref prefer it. Um, I love Nashville's amazing. City. By the way, oh, I didn't mention this, too. So you got the park now fully up and running. I mean, yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, the lightning thing was packed. Ranked. It's it's dope. And um, and I'm going to go to some more events, some sp of the specific events. But also I want to just hop over there. I mean, like I said, I went to college in Nashville, but Bitcoin conference is in Nashville next summer. No it longer sure in is. Miami. They announced at the end of uh, the conference this year in Miami. They did three years in a row in Miami, and now it's in Nashville. Um, so you've got like a real, you guys are like hitting the wave on this really, really well. Nothing wrong with a good tailwind. <laughs> yeah. We're okay with that. Um, what's going on with you? What are you thinking about? Anything else? Uh, where can we follow you? Uh, tell us like some, give us some closing thoughts here, Harry. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my, my general perspective i've been in the industry for longer than i ever thought i would be i guess um is just like this is the best i don't you know other people tell you know i'm like I, I think of the counterfactual sometimes of yeah. like you know i could have been selling software this whole time i guess software um, is big business you big know? business i'm just like it's just not it's empty yeah right? for me um so i you know bitcoin has been um more of a gift to me than i ever could have imagined and i feel you know beyond fortunate and so, you know, part of my thesis around wanting to work on the park is just like, I want to deliver A plus content to Bitcoiners, especially earlier in their journey and, and provide a space, you know, most people are, are, are relatively insufferable on Twitter, but they're <laughs> awesome in person. It's true. It's and true. so creating an opportunity to have like the serendipity that comes. It's with. amazing. Honestly, it's I, the people I met at the park too. like, um, and I, I was going to say, like, I think Austin can be really great. There's great stuff in Austin mm -hmm. in the Bitcoin world, but it's far for if you're not in the middle of the country, it's even it's far from the West Coast. Also, Nashville is quite close to the East Coast. So it's a great sort of quick destination. But I have met so many people um, in general, by the way, another reason to go to meetups or, or go to the Bitcoin conference or go to Bitcoin Park. I've met so many people I only knew online. I mean, I just met people last week that I've yeah. never met in person, and it was amazing. It's amazing. It, it just is different. The community, like, there is a – there. this is what I tell sometimes, like, institutional investors. I was like, look, some, like, equities have, like, cults around them, no doubt, right? But, like, not many. Most investments do not have a large, committed, intelligent, and growing population of diehard builders. 
It's like when you own Bitcoin, like you have to understand, like, even if like the speculators that come in periodically or whatever, that like if you cut that right off the top of the price, price is an example here. Mm -hmm. um, dude, you hit a hard cap wall that is only growing of ownership and 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 um, and long term vision. And and I see it, dude. It's growing and growing and growing like it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a worldwide grassroots movement. It's not just a certainly not just a commodity. It's certainly not just a technology. It is actually a movement. We're going to win so hard. Harry Sudak, Chief Strategy Officer uh, at Grid, um, partner at Bitcoin Park, my friend. Thank I needed you so much. I needed another job like I needed the plague. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Galaxy Brains. Thank you to our guest, Harry Sudak, Chief Strategy Officer at Grid and partner at Bitcoin Park for that great conversation. Hey, check out bitcoinpark.co to learn more about the park and the events that are held there. It's a great time and they've got a great lineup. Of course, also thank you to our good friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading as always. And guys, everyone have a great weekend, safe weekend, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.